Hello, welcome. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Before we get into what this show is going to be about, over on Locals, we just talked about the death of Queen Elizabeth, the monarch of Great Britain. She has died, the longest reigning monarch in the history of Great Britain. If you're interested in talking about the personal and political implications of that, then head over to lizwheelershow.com slash locals. I'm interested in your thoughts as well, because it is kind of a big deal. Even though she didn't hold a lot of political power, she did hold a lot of influence based on the fact that she was the Queen of England. So what's going to happen next for Britain? Head on over lizwheelershow.com slash locals, and you can join in that conversation. Okay, so what are we going to talk about on the show today? Chuck Schumer, the majority leader in the United States Senate, a Democrat, announced that in the coming weeks, at least sometime before the midterm elections, although he didn't say exactly when, that the Senate would be voting on the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. I call it the so-called Respect for Marriage Act because it codifies gay marriage at the federal level. It disallows states from defining for themselves what marriage means to their states. It forces states to recognize gay marriages, even if that's not what the people of the state want. So what I, what I want to talk about related to this bill isn't even the gay marriage aspect of the bill itself. I want to talk about the broader implications of this bill. Will this impact religious liberty of not just individual people, but individual businesses, charities, churches, nonprofit organizations? And if so, how? What is the implication going to be? I also want to talk a little bit about what happens when government redefines words. Again, this is maybe larger than just a disagreement over whether marriage is between a man and a woman or marriage can be two men or two women. When the government becomes the arbiter of defining words, the arbiter of truth, what does that mean for a population? We're going to talk about that. I also want to talk about the broader implications of this bill that will advance other radical leftist agenda items that have nothing to do with equal rights under the law for people with same-sex attraction. There are hidden parts of this bill that the Democrats want us to ignore. Also, Biden's White House monkeypox response coordinator, have you guys seen pictures of this guy? I'm not talking about pictures of him while he's at the podium in the, in the press room at the White House. I'm talking about pictures of him in his personal life. Maybe if you Google this guy, have you seen those pictures? Well, if not, I had to suffer through looking at them, which means you have to suffer through looking at them with me because we have, it, it's pertinent here. It's pertinent to what we're going to talk about. But also, if I have to suffer through something, you should have to too. So let's get to it. So let me ask you a question. How did you sleep last night? If you answered this question, well, not so great, or eh, just okay, or please don't ask, you are not alone. One out of every three Americans report being sleep deprived and your sheets on your bed could be part of the problem. That's why I like cozy earth sheets. The wrong sheets can trap body heat, leaving you boiling one minute and freezing the next. But there is a solution to this. It's called cozy earth sheets. They are the softest, most luxurious and best temperature regulating sheets on the planet. It's like sleeping on a cloud, which actually makes sense because they're made from bamboo, which allows cozy earth sheets to breathe. So you sleep at the perfect temperature all year round. I actually have them on my bed at home right now. I love them. I know you'll love them too. Cozy Earth offers a 100 night sleep trial, which means you have to up to 100 nights to sleep on it, wash it, try it out. If you are not completely in love, just send it back for a full refund. 
I got the best deal for you. You can now save 35% on Cozy Earth bamboo bedding. 35%. All you have to do is use my URL. It's CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. You have to hurry because this offer does end soon. It's CozyEarth.com slash L-I-Z-3-5. CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. You'll be glad you did. I love them. I know you will too. Okay. Chuck Schumer says that the Senate is going to hold a vote on what he's just calling the gay marriage bill. So the, the let's journey back for a second. Why exactly is the Senate even addressing this bill? The reason that the Senate is addressing this bill is because when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health, Justice Clarence Thomas wrote a concurring opinion. He signed on to the majority opinion, but he also wrote his own in which he attacked what's called substantive due process. Substantive due process is a jurisprudence or a legal philosophy that has no basis in our constitution, no basis in our legal system, but it was on substantive due process that Roe v. Wade was based, which is why even personally pro-abortion legal experts generally said, well, Roe v. Wade, regardless of abortion, if you can remove abortion from the thing, which is hard to do politically, but if you could, it's actually just poorly constructed, a poorly constructed ruling. It's not constitutional law. And as one legal scholar said, makes no pretense of being, of even being constitutional. It was an invented right. And Justice Thomas said, listen, the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade because of it, a wrongful reliance on substantive due process. So the court should also consider revisiting other landmark cases that relied on substantive due process as well, because any case that relied on substantive due process was wrongly decided. He, of course, named Obergefell. Obergefell was the Supreme Court ruling that codified gay marriage federally in our land. It was no longer up to individual states to decide whether marriage was between one man and one woman or whether same-sex couples were included in the legal definition of marriage. And this caused Democrats' heads to spin. Now, if we're being realistic here, this is not going to be something that the Supreme Court overturns. There are nine justices on the Supreme Court and only Clarence Thomas said that the court should revisit other cases that relied on substantive due process. Even the other very conservative justices did not agree with Clarence Thomas. In fact, they disagreed so strongly that not once, not twice, but three times in the majority opinion did the conservative justices say, this does not mean this ruling has no implication on gay marriage. They wanted to make sure to separate themselves from from Clarence Thomas. So one out of nine justices taking this position does not mean that this is a realistic threat to gay marriage. But the left is using this opportunity. It's actually very politically savvy of them to use this opportunity to push something that's not just about gay marriage, that has larger implications, something that serves their larger agenda. So this is what Schumer said this morning. He said, a vote on marriage equality will happen on the Senate floor in the coming weeks. Now, the coming weeks are the lead up to the midterm elections. Schumer obviously wants to push Republicans into a corner. He wants to use the mainstream media to try to generate headlines that say, Republicans hate gay people. Look at how they voted. And he thinks that that will convince especially young people in our country to vote Democrat in the midterm election. Whether or not that will work is actually up to Republicans. If Republicans let Democrats and the mainstream media frame this issue the way that Democrats and the mainstream media want to frame it, then yes, it will be damaging to Republican chances in the midterm elections. But Republicans obviously shouldn't let the Democrats and the mainstream media frame this issue because it's actually not about gay marriage. It's not about 
being homophobic or not being homophobic. It's not about tolerance. It's not about libertarianism. It's not about civil rights. It's not about freedom, except as it relates to the civil rights and the freedoms of religious people in our nation. So if Republicans respond well to this, then they have a chance to expose the radical left for what they're trying to do, expose the Democrats for trying to for trying to use gay people as a medium to push a Marxist agenda on the American people. The actual piece of legislation itself, this is how it reads. And I quote from the legislation, the bill repeals and replaces provisions that define, for purposes of federal law, marriage as between a man and a woman and spouse as a person of the opposite sex with provisions that recognize any marriage that is valid under state law. It repeals and replaces provisions that do not require states to recognize same-sex marriages from other states with provisions that prohibit the denial of full faith and credit or any right or claim relating to out-of-state marriages on the basis of sex, race, ethnicity, or national origin. Again, at first, it seems, at first glance, okay, this is literally just codifying gay marriage into law at the federal level, which some, some Republicans are okay with. Some Republicans say it would be so confusing if you had a legal gay marriage in one state and that couple travels to another state that doesn't recognize gay marriage. They don't have the legal protections or the benefits of their marriage in that state. It's too confusing. It does need to be dealt with at the federal level. I would probably argue otherwise, but that's not, that's not the point of this conversation. And it's certainly not the point of this bill. The point of this bill is not only virtue signaling, it's pandering to demographics that the left wants to turn out in the midterm election, and it's trying to corner it's trying to corner Republicans. But if we take a look at what this bill actually is, it is not what it seems at all. And we're going to talk about that, but first I want to talk to you about ExpressVPN. Now, I like ExpressVPN because it keeps my family and my information safe online. If you go online without ExpressVPN, well, let me use an analogy here. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like using the bathroom without closing the door. Yeah, you want to keep your business private. If you go online without a VPN, internet service providers can see every single website that you visit. They can then legally sell this information without your consent to ad companies, to tech giants, who then use your data to target you. When you use ExpressVPN, internet service providers cannot see your online activity because your identity is anonymized by a secure VPN server. Your data is also encrypted for maximum protection. And it's really easy to use. Anybody who's worried about the technology, all you do is fire up the app and you click one button. It works on all your devices too, phones, laptops, even routers. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi can also be protected. I like ExpressVPN because it keeps my family and our personal information safe when we are online. So I suggest that you secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash Liz today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Liz. And if you use my URL, you can get an extra three months for free. That's right, three months free, expressvpn.com slash Liz. So what this so-called Respect for Marriage bill actually does is wage an assault on religious liberty. I spoke with Senator Ted Cruz about the implications of this bill on our Verdict Plus series, The Cloakroom, and this is what the senator had to say. This bill without a religious liberty protection would have massive consequences across our country, weaponizing the Biden administration to go and target universities, K through 12 schools, social service organizations, churches, and strip them all of their tax-exempt status. So 
this is where some Republicans, and when I say Republicans, remember, <laughs> Republicans, I'm talking about elected officials, conservatives, I'm talking about you and me. So some Republican elected officials are completely naive, stupid to the fact that tolerance, as the left defines the term, is not tolerance the way that the dictionary would define it or the way that you and I understand it. Tolerance is not simply a live and let live, let someone live their life and let me live my life, no harm, no foul. That is not how the left defines tolerance, because I think all of us conservatives and those of us who are religious people have a very tolerant worldview. In fact, if you want to, if you want to shack up, commit your life, be in a relationship with someone of the same sex, okay, you can do that. It, it, it's not in alignment with my biblical worldview, but you certainly have a right to do that. You shouldn't be persecuted or prosecuted for doing that. That I think is the, the viewpoint of the conservative movement. But that is not what the left means by tolerance. What the left means when they say tolerance is they mean you will be made to care. This is one of my favorite phrases. Eric Erickson coined it. And I think it encapsulates what the left is trying to do in our nation with their radical leftist ideology. They're not just trying to convince you that they're correct. They're not trying to expose children or youth, the next generation, college students to their life, their worldview, so that those young people latch onto that worldview and become Democrats when they're adults. No. The left's version of tolerance means that they will look you in the eye and they will say, this is what I believe, that men can be women, that women can be men, that biological men should be allowed to go in women's bathrooms and locker rooms that three-year-olds, five-year-olds, seven-year-olds who say that they're the opposite sex should be put on medication, puberty blockers, that 16-year-old girls with healthy breasts and healthy uterus should have those brutally removed in surgery. And they're not just looking at you in the eye and saying that. They're saying, not only do you have to accept this, you must celebrate it. And if you don't actively work to celebrate this, if you don't participate in this, then we will cancel you. That's what the left means when they use the word tolerance. That's the danger of a bill like this. Because it's not just codifying equal rights under the law for people with same-sex attraction. It's not just preventing persecution of gay people in our country. It's the left looking at churches that teach a biblical worldview, looking at religious universities, looking at Christian or Catholic adoption agencies, and saying to them, if you continue to hold your biblical worldview on the definition of marriage as between one man and one woman, we will cancel you. We will target you legally. You will lose your capacity to operate in the public forum, you will be stopped. You will be ended. The good work that you do isn't worth it because you have not done what we're trying to force you to do, which is to celebrate our ideology, not just allow us to live it. That's the danger of a bill like this. And the, the, the part of the bill from a legislative standpoint that makes it so dangerous is this bill is silent about the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, the RFRA. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act is the protection that people of faith rely on in this country. We should just have to rely on the Constitution, but because the left has violated the Constitution so much, 
We rely on the Religious Freedom Restoration Act for any kind of conscience protections. If you are a medical provider and you don't want to take part in an abortion, if you are a doctor who doesn't want to surgically remove the healthy breasts of a teenage girl in the name of gender dysphoria, any kind of religious exemption to radical leftist laws. If you don't want to if you don't want to do what, what the left tried to force Jack Phillips to do, to violate his religious beliefs and use his free expression to create a celebration, a symbol of celebration for gay marriage, which was counter to his, his sincerely held religious beliefs, well, you're protected by the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which is, codifies your right to practice your faith in the public sphere. And let me back up from that for just a second. So there are several other Democrat bills that have gone to Congress, some of them have even passed the House, that specifically exclude Religious Freedom Restoration Act protections. One of these bills is the Equality Act. We've heard about the Equality Act a lot. The Equality Act isn't about equality. It is also an assault on religious freedom. It would force schools to allow men in women's locker rooms. It would, it would force medical providers to, to do abortions or else, else face legal ramifications. It's not about equality at all. But in the Equality Act, they're at least open about the fact that people are not going to be protected. People of faith are not going to be protected by the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. There are carve-outs that say the Religious Freedom Restoration Act does not apply to this, this bill. And because the Equality Act and others exclude Religious Freedom Restoration Act protections, that's one of the reasons that those bills don't pass the Senate. Because as you know, it's a 50-50 split in the Senate, which means in order for a bill to be passed, you don't just have to have 50 people, 50, 50 Democrats voting. You actually have to have 60 votes to overcome that filibuster. And 10 Republicans are not going to sign on to a bill that excludes protections for people of faith practicing their religion in the public sphere. The Respect for Marriage Act, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, is silent about the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And that's a trick. Because the Democrats are silent about the RFRA in their so-called Respect for Marriage Act because they want to trick Republicans into thinking, oh, okay, there are protections for religious people in this. This is just a bill making sure that if some zany Supreme Court headed by Clarence Thomas in the future wants to overturn Obergefell, that gay people can still get married. They specifically are silent about the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. But make no mistake, that doesn't mean that they will allow the protections of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act to stand once this bill, if it passed the Senate, if it was signed by Joe Biden, becomes law. It just means they plan to challenge that in another way. Now, part of the, part of the, another problem with this bill is the phraseology of what it does. There was a Heritage Foundation analysis of the bill and Jarrett Eckert, is the analyst at Heritage Foundation who looked at or who explained exactly how Obergefell v. Hodges codified gay marriage. How did it actually work? What were the legal ramifications? What was this built on? And he explained that what Obergefell did 
was, and I'm going to actually quote him exactly here. He says, if one state, just one state, recognizes polygamy as a legitimate marriage or legal marriage, then basically the federal government has to do that too. And the reason that Eckert makes this contention is because what Obergefell does is it disallows any state from having their own laws about marriage, and it requires states to recognize marriages between same-sex couples that happen in different states. Which means when this bill, when Schumer's so-called Respect for Marriage Act uses the phrase, all marriages, it's not just talking about marriage between one man and one woman, or the left's version of marriage between two men or between two women. All marriages could mean anything. It could mean polygamy, as Eckert says. It could mean incestuous relationships. It could mean open marriages. It could mean, I feel like I should be putting marriage in quote when I say all this, marriages that have time limits on them. It could even mean pedophile relationships, an adult and a child. And states would have no power under this bill to refuse to recognize those twisted, perverted relationships. The states would be required to treat those relationships as true marriage. Now, truthfully, this shouldn't even be something that we have to be discussing. It shouldn't even be a question in the Senate because the Senate needs 60 votes to overcome that filibuster and there's only 50 Democrats. This shouldn't even be something that we have to talk about because that would assume that 10 Republicans would vote in favor of this. But I want to talk a little bit about the breakdown of Republicans here. The first I want to talk to you about Incogni. Two things that are really important to me online are safety and privacy. That's why I like Incogni. Thousands of companies are collecting aggregating and trading your personal data without you knowing anything about it. Maybe, for example, you subscribed for a free newsletter and shortly after, you started receiving lots of spam from unknown senders. Maybe you searched for medical information online and then started seeing ads all over your screen about it from places you never visited. Creepy, right? The good news is you have the right to request data brokers to delete what information they have about you and protect your privacy. The bad news is, is it would take you years to do this yourself to do it manually. The best news is, Incogni can do the messy work for you automatically. Incogni helps protect your privacy and take your personal data off the market by reaching out to data brokers on your behalf, requesting your personal data remover, and then dealing with these data brokers' inevitable objections. Now, this is the creepiest part. Most often, these data brokers hold your name, your email address, your home address, even your phone number, and the names of your relatives, sometimes your social security number, your employment history, your shopping habits. When I tell you you need Incogni, I mean it. I love it. I know you will too. The first 100 people to use my URL, incogni.com slash Liz Wheeler, and use my promo code Liz Wheeler, get 20% off Incogni. Protect your privacy today. Go to incogni.com slash Liz Wheeler and use code Liz Wheeler to take your personal data off the market. Today's video is sponsored by Incogni. So this shouldn't even be a question, right? How are we in a situation that out of 50 Republicans in the Senate, 20% of them are at risk of voting with a radical left on this incredibly dangerous bill? Well, that's what we're facing, my friends. That's what we're facing. 10 Republicans would have to be voting for this. Now, the House of Representatives voted on this so-called Respect for Marriage Act in July, and the vote in the House of Representatives was 267 votes in favor, 157 votes opposed. 
But of those who voted in favor, it was all of the Democrats, of course, but 47 Republicans voted in favor of this bill. 47 Republicans. That includes, by the way, Elise Stefanik. 47 Republicans. To me, that's just mind-blowing. Like, do we actually have that stupid of people who represent us in Congress, that they look at this and they just believe the Democrats' talking points when the Democrats say, oh, this is just about tolerance. <laughs> this is just making sure that gay people have equal rights. <laughs> do Democrats actually believe that? Or do Republicans actually believe that? If you believe that, you are so gullible, then you are unqualified to serve in the United States Congress. I don't know why any Republican would believe what Democrats tell them about anything, let alone something as serious as religious liberty here. This is a time that we must write to our senators and demand that they vote no on this bill. Tell them, do not fall for the lies of the radical left. So let's talk about who exactly is, who, which Republicans said that they're going to vote yes for this bill and which Republicans have either not said which way they're going to vote, they're possibly yeses, the sort of the vulnerable ones so that we know who to write for, who to write to. So three Republicans so far have said that they will be voting yes on this bill. Senator Susan Collins from Maine is actually a co-sponsor of the bill. Absolutely asinine. I'm actually a little surprised at Senator Collins. I know that she is socially liberal and a little more economically conservative, but I'm surprised that she would not recognize the religious liberty threat inherent to this bill. And she, I know she verbally says, well, we want to make sure that my colleagues are comfortable with the religious liberty protections. But do you, you, you've seen how the Democrats operate, right? Are you assuming that they operate in good faith? Because if so, what do you base that belief on? They have never operated in good faith. Senator Collins, you saw that for yourself with how they handled Kavanaugh. You've seen that for yourself with how they handled the Russia collusion hoax that they propagated in order to impeach Trump simply because they didn't like him. You know these people are not honest people. And if they didn't include specific protections for religious people in this bill, it's because they don't want that. They don't intend to do that. So I don't understand why Susan Collins would be a yes on this. That's, it's a head scratcher. Another um, Senator Republican who has said that he is a yes vote is Rob Portman from Ohio. He's an outgoing Senator. Hopefully he will soon be replaced with J.D. Vance after November. But that's why Schumer is going to, wants the Senate to vote on this before November because he knows we're going to take back the Senate Portman is a major squish on gay marriage. It was about a decade ago that Portman changed his view. He used to support marriage between one man and one woman, but then his son came out as gay and Portman changed his view. So sort of a sad story there to allow a family member's behavior to influence your political beliefs when it comes down to things of principle like gay marriage, but that's why Portman's voting yes. And then Tom Tillis has also said that he will be voting yes. So if you live in the states, Susan Collins state, Portman state, Tom Tillis state, Maine, Ohio, write to your senator, tell them why you don't want this bill to become law. Tell them to vote no. Tell them that it's just, it's just a Democrat strategy to bring up a social issue to try to rally Democrat voters. It's unnecessary, even if you're a social liberal, and it will impact and damage the religious liberty of half of the country who practice their who practice their religious beliefs. So according to Politico, Collins, along with a Democratic co-sponsor of the bill, Tammy Baldwin, met with Rob Portman, Tom Tillis, and Kirsten Sinema 
to discuss how to convince other Republicans to vote yes. There are between eight, maybe 10, maybe 12 Republicans who have said that there may be on this bill. Senator Joni Ernst, she says, this is her quote, I'm open to it. So if you live in Iowa, write to Senator Joni Ernst and tell her you don't want this bill to become law. Senator Roy Blunt said, I'm going to look at it. If he's going to look at it, remember, here's, here's the thing. It's disappointing to me. I always, I always see these quotes from these Republicans and I feel deflated. I think, oh my gosh, are you this stupid? Are you this gullible? But then I think, if they say these phrases like, I'm open to it, or I'm going to look at it, it also means that they're open to not voting for it. Or I'm going to look at it and possibly I'll determine that my vote is no. Their minds are still changeable. So play your role. You, you hired them. You, you sent them to Washington, D.C. to represent you. Convince them why they should vote no. Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, who is for gay marriage in general, has said this. She said, I have long made known public my support for marriage equality, but she said that she hasn't had a chance to review the bill closely. Again, a squish, but that means her mind has not been firmly made up. Right to Lisa Murkowski. Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson, I, I almost don't know what to think when I think of, of Ron Johnson's behavior here because he's sort of the, he's sort of an example of caving to peer pressure, which Maybe that'll serve in our favor. I don't know. It depends on who puts more pressure on him, the right or the left here. But first, Ron Johnson, when he was asked, said, yes, that he he supports civil unions. He supports this. He doesn't see, I think he said, I don't see why I wouldn't vote for this bill. And then he came out against it. So when he came out against it, he made sure to signal his support for gay marriage, which shows that he's kind of a squish on this. He said, I always support civil unions, but never felt that this bill is necessary. He said, this is just Democrats opening up a wound that doesn't need to be opened up. And now that I've talked to people, there are some very serious concerns on religious liberty. He said last week, I would not support it in its current state. If your senator is Senator Ron Johnson, send him an email, call his office, you would be surprised at how influential even a dozen phone calls or a dozen emails on the same topic, taking the same position are to our elected representatives. You would be surprised. I have had members of Congress and United States senators tell me directly that that influences how they think. You are much more, your email is much more powerful than you could ever imagine. Even if you get sent in response, a copy a, a, just a, 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 a carbon copy response of some inane something. It doesn't matter. That's what they respond to you so that they can say they responded, but they read it. They take a tally of what their constituents think. So then we have possible supporters. Other possible supporters who haven't commented on the bill are Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Senator Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, Senator Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia, Senator Mike Rounds of South Dakota. Two other senators who were possible yeses, but who've actually come out and said no, are Lindsey Graham and John Cornyn. Cornyn says that this is just a political stunt, which means that I think he could be still pulled to the other side. He could still vote yes. But if he thinks it's a political stunt, he is going to err on the side of voting no. And Lindsey Graham, this actually surprised me from Lindsey Graham because I think of him as a little more socially liberal. He said that he actually supports the Defense of Marriage Act, which defines marriage as between one man and one woman. So good for him. Thank you, Lindsey Graham. Mitt Romney is also a squish on this. He basically says this is an unnecessary bill due to Obergefell. And here's my wild card. 
My wildcard Republican senator, this is only because he hasn't come out against it, although he has commented on it, is John Thune. So if any of these, if you live in any of these states represented by Collins, Portman, Tillis, Joni Ernst, Roy Blunt, Lisa Murkowski, Ron Johnson, Bill Cassidy, Pat Toomey, Richard Burr, Shelley Moore Capito, Mike Rounds, I guess you can skip Lindsey Graham, although an email might not hurt. John Cornyn, Mitt Romney, and John Thune. Send those emails. Tell them to vote no. And we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about too, the bigger picture here, because it's really important to understand what the bigger danger is. Like I said, this isn't even about gay marriage itself. There's a larger threat to the American Republic enshrined in this bill, which is why, by the way, even if there's an amendment that supposedly protects religious liberty, is that likely that it would be an airtight protection against some of these other dangers? It is very unlikely. So Republicans, even if there's amendment supposedly codifying protections for religious liberty, you should still vote no. But bigger picture, there. here's the danger. First of all, it's obviously a danger to allow governments to redefine words, specifically words like marriage, because it's an institution that's not begot of government. That's not a privilege the government loans to us. That's something that was endowed by God. So when a government redefines words, when we, the people, allow them to redefine words, then that government becomes the arbiter of truth. Because if a word like marriage, if we have an understanding of that word and a government official says, nope, that's not the correct definition of that word, then we, the people say, okay, well, what is the correct definition? And that government official in answering that question becomes the arbiter of what is true and what is not true. If a government official is the arbiter of truth, then they are authoritarian. They can change the definition of any word at any time to suit any political agenda that they have. That in and of itself, aside from gay marriage, is reason enough to oppose this bill. The radical left has already proven to us that they want full control over our lives. This is just another way that they are taking control. We should not let them. Now, the Supreme Court obviously wrongly decided Obergefell. Justice Clarence Thomas was correct about that. Controversial as it may seem, so many Republicans don't want to say it. Any ruling that is wrongly decided by the Supreme Court should be overturned. This shouldn't be controversial. This should be very, very obvious. The government also has no business giving approval, let alone benefits, material benefits that come from the taxpayer to a relationship that doesn't, in the broader sense, serve the interests of the United States of America. And what I mean by that is traditional marriage serves the interest of our nation as a whole because traditional marriage, not only that is that where children are begotten, which is the next generation of our country, it is necessary to have children for our nation to continue. It's also the best protector against childhood poverty and poverty for women. It's a protector against crime. It's a protector against mental health issues. It's a protector against physical health issues. The institution of marriage serves the interest of the entire country. Gay marriage doesn't serve that purpose the same way. So the government has no business coming in and simply bestowing validation on certain people's relationship because the government wants to do that. If it doesn't serve the interests of the country, the government should stay out of it. It's absolutely none of their business. We have to remember that equal rights for people with same-sex attraction was never the end goal It's never been the end goal of the Democratic Party 
or of the LGBTQ lobby more specifically to simply secure equal rights. And once those equal rights have been secured, to give a thumbs up and move along to the next issue. In fact, many of you will probably remember 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when the two people who spoke out against gay marriage, the Catholic Church and then Phyllis Schlafly, were mocked and ridiculed for saying that gay marriage was a gateway, a slippery slope to basically to degradation of our country's moral fiber. They were ridiculed and they were mocked, but they were right. 20, 30 years later, which is right now, what are we experiencing in our nation? We're experiencing drag shows, transgender strippers performing for children, and that's being celebrated by the left, the sexualization of minors. We're facing transgender surgeries that mutilate kids' bodies in the name of identity. We're facing queer theory, which advocates for outright pedophilia and child pornography. We're hearing from leftist academics, in particular, advocacy for MAP persons. What does MAP stand for? Minor attracted person. MAP is a euphemism for pedophiles. It's the left trying to normalize pedophilia. First comes the normalization of a perverted, twisted sexual behavior. And then once it's normalized in our culture, the left demands recognition under the law for that. What the LGBTQ lobby has become is not an advocacy group for equal rights for all persons, regardless of who they are sexually attracted to. But the LGBTQIA lobby has become a catch-all, a radical leftist catch-all. We can see this even from the LGBTQIA acronym and how it grows. It grows by several letters every year. Why? Why does it do that? Well, because every one of us sitting here today together, every one of us knows a gay person. But did you know that they recently added S to LGBTQIAS? Do you know what S stands for? Satanist. Now you might be thinking, well, why would they add Satanist to LGBTQIA plus? Because part of the doctrine of the Church of Satan is to pursue instant gratification through sex in as hedonistic of a way as possible. You'll notice this thread, especially in the promiscuous gay community of Satanism. And so suddenly, suddenly we're in this weird place where we're like, well, wait a second, we were just trying to make sure that gay people weren't pushed off buildings like they are in the Middle East in Muslim countries. And now all of a sudden we're, we're being forced to celebrate Satanism? What? How did that happen? Well, it happened because this was never about simply equal rights for people with same-sex attraction. This was always a radical leftist catch-all. That's why the transgender flag, you can picture the transgender flag, right? It's not just the rainbow flag. It's the one with light blue and light pink and white. All of a sudden, there's this, been this compilation of the transgender flag with the pride flag. And then all of a sudden, we have a black stripe in this and a brown stripe in this. So it's just, it's, it's a terrible looking flag anyway, from an artistic standpoint. But all of a sudden, we have this flag that's supposed to represent a so-called marginalized community, but what does the black stripe stand for? And what does the brown stripe stand for? The brown stripe sta 
is a is a land a stolen land acknowledgement to the Native Americans. The brown stripe on the transgender pride flag wants you to accept the premise, to be forced to accept the premise that the United States itself is illegitimate because the white people who founded our country stole the land from the native people. I thought this was just about gay people. No, no. And what's that black stripe for? Well, the black stripe is for Black Lives Matter. The premise of the Black Lives Matter movement is that the United States is a systemically white supremacist nation, that the police force is an arm of a white supremacist government. Therefore, police must be abolished. Prisons must be abolished. The criminal justice system must be abolished. Capitalism must be abolished. The nuclear family must be abolished. And police shoot black people for no reason except the color of their skin. That's on the trans flag, pride flag now. This LGBTQIAS plus, they just lump it all together. They lump it all together and it becomes, this is what this bill is. It's a catch-all for every radical leftist agenda item that usually falls under the helm of Marxists, of Marxism, that the left is currently pushing. Look at Biden's White House monkeypox response director. I had to, this, this is him at the White House podium, by the way. Take a listen to this first. Sure. The confusion that exists, the misperceptions. Yeah, so I think, you know, this, this virus transmits through very close skin-to-skin -skin physical contact, often in the setting of sexual exposure. But um, there are other mechanisms for its transmission, including if you touch objects that individuals who've had monkeypox touch, or if, um, if you have prolonged exposure to respiratory droplets. With that said, signaling to people um, who are in the gay, bisexual, other men who have sex with men communities, and also transgender people who have sex with men, that it's really important to have awareness that it's circulating in the community is really a critical part of the messaging while not generating um, you know, inordinate concern and really focusing on the infection as linked to an identity. So it's just an infection. It's not linked to an identity. It just happens to be in the social network. His name, by the way, for anybody interested, is Dimitri Daskalakis. And okay, so first of all, we let's just get a monkeypox fact straight here. We have had 19,465 diagnosed cases of monkeypox just in the United States since this outbreak started. And those 19,465 diagnosed cases have resulted in one death. This one death, of course, is a tragedy. Anybody who loses their life, that's tragic. This person had comorbidities and was overweight. So that explains a little bit why this person might have been vulnerable to death of this virus. But if you do the math here, 19,464 people survived out of 19,465 people who were diagnosed. That is a 99.99% survival rating, which begs the question, what is the White House even doing having a monkeypox response coordinator? Why are they wasting people's times? What is their agenda here? Well, that's a question that we should answer. What is their agenda here? Let's take a look at who Dimitri Daskalakis actually is. If you do a little Google search of this guy to see what his background is, you will find this photo of Dimitri Daskalakis. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. Okay, so he's wearing a leather bondage harness. He's obviously a gay man. But what, what you'll notice here is he's not just a gay man taking a gay photograph of himself in a, in a leather bondage <laughs> a sexually deviant harness here. If you, if you look at this harness a little bit more closely, 
and I had to look at this picture, so you guys have to suffer through it too. You'll notice that that is a pentagram. It's shaped like a pentagram. What is the pentagram? The pentagram is the trademarked symbol of the Church of Satan. The Church of Satan that teaches hedonism through sexual deviancy. This is another picture of Dimitri Daskalakis. This is, he is a radical leftist LGBTQIAS activist, and he's in the White House pushing that agenda. Another picture of him, clearly he's into sexually deviant things. Um, another type of harness and tattoos. And if you look at his tattoos, I mean, you don't have to look closely at his tattoos. <laughs> you can leave that to me. That's part of the, it's part of what I have to suffer through doing this job for you guys. Um, you'll see that there's there's a lot of satanic imagery. I mean, there, there's other photos of him. I mean, he dressed like a demonic, some kind of demonic gay gremlin for a cycling class. This, this is what the left has embraced. This is not about equal rights for people with same-sex attraction. This is about you being forced to embrace really nasty, really twisted stuff. I mean, in, in the Biden administration, he's not, this guy isn't an aberration in the Biden administration. The Biden administration has staffed the upper echelons of the executive branch of the federal government with people who are sexual deviants just like this guy. I mean, you can look at in the Department of Energy. And by the way, I apologize in advance for showing you this photo. But this is, this is someone at the upper echelons of the Biden administration who describes himself as a pup handler. What is a pup handler? That is a gay man who likes to pretend to have sex with men dressed as dogs. Okay, Matt, you can please take that picture away. I can't look at it anymore. It disturbs me. I'm traumatized by looking at this picture. And then of course, we can't forget Rachel Levine, the transgender Deputy Undersecretary of Health and Human Services. This person that lived as a male for 50 years and then decided, oh, I'm a woman, and now pretends to be a woman and doesn't think that minors should have to get permission from their parents before going on puberty blockers and undergoing transing surgery. These are the sexual deviants that the Biden administration embraces. This is the ideology that the Biden administration wants to force on you. This is what's inherent to the so-called respect for marriage bill. This is why it's so insane to me that any Republican would consider casting a vote in favor of this. A vote in favor of Schumer's gay marriage bill is a vote in favor of religious persecution. It's a vote in favor of hurting children who need adoption by excluding religious people from running adoption agencies because they don't want to give children to these people a vote for this bill is a vote to hurt needy people who have been served and saved by Christian charities. It, a vote for this bill codifies this ideology into law so that parents have no right to reject or oppose the queer theory ideology that's being poured into the minds of their impressionable children at the elementary school level. There are three reasons why this bill is dangerous. It violates religious liberty. It allows government to redefine words, which makes government the arbiter of truth, which makes government authoritarian. And it is a radical leftist catch-all for all of their favorite Marxist agenda items. It isn't. It never was, and it won't ever be about equal rights for any person.
Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show.